Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Thanks for joining me again on the Victor Mark Show. Today's pretty exciting because we're actually on remote. I'm at a dear friend's house that I've known for two decades, and uh, him and his bride. I'm talking about Gary Finley and Kim. Gary is the author of the new book, Redneck CEO. Many of you listening will know about Gary's work as he was the CEO of Curves, the women's fitness concept where he grew the brand from two locations to over 8,000 around the world. Gary served on my board in the beginning of our ministry of all things possible. He's been a faithful friend, and uh, he has gone through rough times, hard spots, and had victories very few will ever experience. But he is with us today to share in a transparent way what it really takes to lead, start, and be both a godly man with a family and a successful CEO. So here we are, sitting in the home of Gary and Kim Finley, longtime friends. It's got to be 20 years. At least. Yeah. I mean, it's 20 years since you called me or anything. <laughs> Good thing I didn't die in that 20 you years. <laughs> you didn't get my letters? <laughs> yeah, right. Open them. Yeah. Uh, you didn't get my checks? <laughs> yeah. Cash them. Well, Gary used to be on our board really helped launch us in the early years. And I think what was great about that is your background and experience. You were CEO of um, Curves. Curves. Yep. That was the heyday of Curves. And mm-hmm. you guys were jamming. Uh, and God knew where the ministry of ATP mm-hmm. would go. Mm-hmm. And it certainly has gone and blossomed in ways we've sat in this living room and and, uh, well, you guys officed out of our office, too, yeah. so oh yeah, it was easy to go down and walk down the hallway and talk to each other. Oh, yeah, we were big borrowing still anything we can to keep me going into <laughs> youth prisons, and it was pretty amazing, but we went through good times and hard times. Mm-hmm. You know, I was saying I never trust a person without a limp, Yeah, right? And you really don't know what your friendship's made out of until you go through hard times. Mm-hmm. And ours has sustained the test of time and the loss of loved ones, the struggles in business. I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to spend time with you and let people get to know you on the show is you've just written a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was privileged to read the manuscript and, and do an endorsement on it. But it's called The Redneck, Redneck CEO. CEO. That is you. But most leadership books on business, you know, in my opinion, often can be rah-rah or look at me, mm-hmm. be like me. You know, it's it's a motivational book. Your book isn't motivational to me. It was inspirational. Hmm. Motivation lasts for a short amount of time. Get you out of bed, get you Inspiration, that tends to last a lifetime. Yeah, and I'm I'm not a raw raw person, you know. So no, you're the steady plotter. Yeah, great communicator, but there is an attribute of your character that I've always admired, and it's 
you have the best friends. That's for sure. And the other thing is you're tenacious. You really are a case in study of resiliency, not giving up uh-huh. when most people would. And the, you know what really hooked me on your book, Gary, was we live in a culture where resiliency is all but gone. Uh-huh. I mean, you've had to see it with employees. Uh, we see it in friendships. Yeah. Right? And boom, done. It's like, what? So I thought your book was fascinating that you would be willing to share and be so transparent about your struggles. And when I finished reading it, which it was a quick read, because you are a redneck. Yeah. And <laughs> you made it for people like me. Yeah. I'm a Cajun, which it's is one right. step below the redneck. We're going to print it in real big letters yeah. <laughs> so it looks thicker. <laughs> but, but I just thought to myself, my goodness, look at this. Uh, finally, someone is sharing from their heart the good and the bad and the ugly. And I think that's what people really need today. What inspired you to do it? Why now? Yeah, I think that just, you know, here, I told you earlier, next year will be my 60th, this year will be my 60th birthday. Mm. And How did I, that happen? What happened? Boy, no kidding. What happened? It happened quick. I just have, you know, to your point, stay power. You know, people don't have that stay power. Mm. It wasn't like I grew up in some poor neighborhood and I didn't have, you know, opportunities. But it was just telling other people that, you know, doesn't make any difference where you come from or what, you know, what your goals are, that you can do it. And uh, you need to do it with faith. I've never doubted my faith. I've never doubted my faith in God. I've never even questioned God the way things have been done. But I just think that uh, the way people uh, react to things and they don't think that they have the opportunity. So I just wanted to really prove out that anybody has the opportunity to do that. It's funny, though, that I call myself a redneck. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how different people look at it. I I had a salesman one day that said, uh, made a comment about how you need to see this email that I got. So he told the guy, he's just having a conversation with this. Somebody's looking at a franchise. The guy said, I saw an interview that he did and called himself the redneck CEO. He says, you know, from where, where we are, they're up in the Northwest. He said, that's not really, you know, something people brag about. Right. (laughs) And to me, it gave me, um, all of the strengths, you know, and weaknesses I have today. Mm. The other thing I talk about, you grow up in a small town, you're not going to get away with anything. Mm. My dad was a deacon in the church. My dad was on a school board. My dad was on a water board. And I was related to somebody on every street. No hiding. No hiding. The ethics that you learn from that, uh, the integrity you learn uh, from being from a small town, you can't get anywhere else, you know. And you'd have to think accountability matters. Yeah. Nowadays, you correct somebody's kid, you're in, you're in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you doing talking about? It's like, well, your kid was, you know, throwing rocks at my car. Right. Uh, right. You know, why don't you take them home and spank them? When I graduated high school, my friends all went off to college uh, or wanted to go to college. I just wanted to work. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make money. That's when I got the job at the, on the railroad, right. you know, and um, just, again, just hard work. But, you know, I started off as just a rail guy. I mean, I really I pushed a, a push cart all day long throwing spikes on it. This is the middle of the heat of summer, right, in Texas. In Texas. And uh, I noticed um, that the best job on the railroad was the guy that was driving the machine. 
He was at the very front, had a little fan going, could pack his little lunch and sit there next mm-hmm. to him. And he had the, the, the best job there. Well, at the end of the day, he would ask for a volunteer. He would say, hey, you know, can somebody get, ride down with me because he can't get out. He needs somebody. We're going to have this here tomorrow when we start off. I need to unhook it. So I'd ride. Everybody else just ready to get home. You know, and when they got off, they were off. I said, oh, let me go with you. So I started talking to him about, well, show me how to do this because I drove tractors and grew up on farms and ranches. And he started showing me how to do it. And about, I don't know, maybe a week later, um, he doesn't show up for work one day. And our, our crew foreman says, hey, does anybody know how to run this thing? I go, I do. Bingo. And from then on, that was my job over the next X amount of months. We moved from, we did a rail from Waco to Hillsboro. Then we moved down south uh, towards uh, San Marcos and ran out there. And so um, I guess the point of that being that I'm always looking what is ahead. What can yeah. I do next? And you have a tremendous work ethic. But you also believe in that adage of working harder, but also smarter. I'd rather be smarter than harder. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. Now, there's there's a lot of people listening, and there are a lot of young entrepreneurs, and um, and they just have that knack because you're an entrepreneur at heart. That's you're going to make money by providing a service or a product, X Y Z. Um, and you've been very successful many times, uh, but yet, what do you think when you would talk to an entrepreneur listening? Faith, you already mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Faith is a key element as an entrepreneur, because I mean, you got to get used to rejection and failure. Yeah. Well, what are some other things would you advise a, an entrepreneur? who's struggling or wanting to be one. You know, Kim will tell people, you know, they say, what is Gary's greatest strength? And I think it's mine too, which I think it's important. It's just loyalty. Loyalty and honesty and and never waver from your beliefs, no matter what. So, and it's those things, integrity, honesty, and uh, you said tenacious. That's, uh, I mean, keep going because it is never easy. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've never had that. My first business was a health club. Um, and, you know, I started off as a trainer and then ended up, you know, owning the health club. And that was, I was 19 then. Wow. Right. And so then we went on over time and bought other health clubs and stuff. But um, in the midst of that, what most people don't see is that, you know, uh, I lived for Friday. Mm. Friday was my favorite day because at Friday, uh, the banks closed. And when the banks closed, I didn't have to worry about meeting payroll or something. I had I had an extra two, three days to float money around, right, to be able to pay the bills. And so, man, there's just a ton of sleepless nights. And uh, I spent a lot of my time with my stomach up in my throat. Uh, and then I could breathe again come the next Friday. Right. I never look forward to Sunday nights. Right. Cash flow. Cash flow. Because everything I've ever done has been through sweat equity. I've never, I didn't have the money to buy a business. Okay. Uh, and so I started every one of those jobs in a position to where, you know, I just worked. I just started there. I started there on the lowest rung. Mm. Uh, when I got into franchising, I wanted to sell franchises for this company that's based in Waco. And they said, great, but you've got to go, you got to go work on the truck first. 
Mm-hmm. So for a year, and we had Zachary, our oldest, um, we moved to Arlington, Texas, and that's, I mean, I carried that scrubber and that carpet cleaner up three floors, uh, you know, at apartment buildings, and did that for a year. I mean, it was just a, not a, didn't make much money, made enough to live in a little duplex, but um, I always look, what's next? I want that. I want to sell franchises, then I want to sell franchises, and I want to be a VP, I want to be a VP, then I want to be a CEO. So having vision, but also don't you think starting from the base up, nobody could smoke you on things. You knew how, what, and you spoke with authority regarding it by the time you reached a certain level. It's kind of like that thing people talk about, you know, setting the precedent or setting the tone. You know, I I never would in any company. I think about curves all the time. When we were in our heyday, uh, we would be getting ready for, you know, conferences and stuff. Like we'd put giveaway bags, right? You know, when people came in, you know, and they registered, you give them a bag with all these, you know, you know, T-shirts and all these things in it. And we'd set up kind of this assembly line in our in our back building back there. Uh, and we'd put them, put them together. And I had my whole staff would be off that day. And, you know, I didn't walk in there and walk around and, okay, now listen, you guys go do this. I'm going to go sit on the phone. I was in the middle of that putting bags together. That whole concept of, you know, uh, getting in the middle of it, not expecting other people to do something that you wouldn't do. Right. And that's been everything I've ever done. Even when I was a kid, I worked on farms and, um, you know, ranching and building fences and stuff like that. And it, and it relates in anything. I don't care if you're Mm -hmm. out working with cows or you're, you know, in a board meeting, that same values, integrity, honesty, ethics that you have there, you know, fall over to whenever you start business. I mean, so I think those are the things that led me, which go back to really my reasoning for the book was just to get that out there, that these are some of the things that you need. Mm. My, person that did my wrote uh, my book kind of ghost wrote my book she would ask me all the time so who do you want to read this i said you know part of it is that entrepreneur Mm -hmm. but also is someone who you know faith-based you know that is struggling and what can i do with my life and how can i get somewhere and can i get somewhere else and i believe that from reading it it's not just for entrepreneurs yeah it's for people trying to live life now, one of the hardest things people will ever accomplish is having a good marriage. Uh-huh. How in the world did you and Kim, who we love dearly, Eileen uh, and I, we, we just love y'all and love your marriage, And but how did y'all keep it together for how many years have I been married now? 38. Wow. How, what, uh, what advice would you give? To, just because... Yeah. Uh, a marriage can get swallowed up. Yeah. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Amen. Learn the word yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Right. You know, they talk about differences, people being completely polar opposites. Yeah. We are complete polar opposites in everything that we do. You know, I, I'd spend money, she'll save money. Mm-hmm. I, you know, now she's gotten better on this piece of it. But I would give away everything I own, and yeah. she would keep everything she owned. But now we're kind of met in the middle. Well, you know, I, I can speak to that. Because <laughs> for those of you listening who don't know, you, you, y'all actually gave us a home. A brand new, built-out home, and outfitted it with everything. Uh, and Took the tires off of it. And <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you've got a gift of giving. 
And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why God has, you're what I call a funneler. You and Kim, y'all funnel funds for where God wants it. So you're on hoarders. You're not, you don't live above your means. And to finish that, uh, we're aligned on the things that matter. There you go. Right. We're aligned on things that, and, and basically being where we are with our walk with Christ, our Christianity, mm-hmm. it, we're aligned perfectly on that. Mm-hmm. And so if I talk to young couples, they say, what would you say? I say, choose your battles. Right. Because you get off into arguing about stuff that uh, makes no difference. Long. Right. So choose your battles. That's a that would be the best piece of advice. Uh, but and then also aligning on those things that are important mm-hmm. uh, because the rest of, you know, Kim always wanted to be a, um, a housewife and a mom. That was her goal. That's, that's all she ever wanted to be. And um, she did a great job at that. So she wanted to do that. I wanted to go out and make something. And um, so she, I wouldn't say, you know, I don't know that I'd ever consider myself a workaholic. I, um, I, I enjoyed working and I was on the road, but most of the time when we were building curves, I took my family with me mm-hmm. everywhere I went. You know, when I'd go out and do a sales pitch, I would take one of the kids with me when they were all little and they'd sit at the table and draw and color while I'm doing a sales pitch. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, she took care of the things that needed to be taken care of. and uh, Teamwork. Yeah, teamwork. goes back to the first thing you asked me. There's just no uh, staying power yeah. today, right? It gets tough. Okay, goodbye. I'll be talking to somebody, and I'll say something about being married 38 years, and they are, are astounded. Yes, you know, they cannot, they cannot believe it. But my mom and dad's been married, and I'd probably be off, I don't know, 60 years or 65 years. My brother, 43 years, 43 wow. years. And then Kim's two brothers, the same. Everybody's over 30 years. That's, so, that's you know. super rare. But that's always one of the things I, I love talking about is faith and family. And you guys are such a great example of that staying power and the value of family. Because when the family disintegrates, that hurts a culture, mm-hmm. that hurts a nation. Now, the last thing we'll talk about, because people are going to need to read the book, and I think they will want to get it after this, listening to you, is freedom. I mean, you're red-blooded patriot. What do you think our nation is right now with this election and you know where we're going? Uh, do we should we be concerned? Yeah, I was going to ask you the same question. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Let's because talk about I can it. I can read uh, that you and I certainly are on the same path and got the same uh, feelings on it. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I mean, I, I like you probably. I worry for my kids, my grandkids, yeah. those kind of. You know, God's in control. Always right. has been. Always will be. Right. You know, obviously the election and those things did not come out the the way that. Uh, I would have, or Kim and I would have loved to seen, but you know, you can sit and panic about it and worry yourself sick about it and talk about, you know, your 401 is going to fade away and social security is going to fade away and stuff. They may happen, but God is still the same. Right. right. And so, you know, I don't watch or listen to any kind of media, yeah. uh, because Did every, you hear that? Right. Everything is negative. Yep. Um, and I just don't, I just don't want to go down the path because again, 
it really makes no difference. I mean, yeah, we need to get involved and there's things right. we, we need to do our part. But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, having our focus on Christ and where, where we need to be as Christians, that is the most important. So I don't, I'm not in any worry mode. I'm not worried about whether businesses are going to thrive or not thrive and continue to move. It's going to happen the way that God wants to happen. Right. And I have to do my part. Right. Now, on that, doing your part, uh, I think there's been a, a really strong passivity among mm-hmm. Christians yep. that don't believe that. Right. Um, that don't believe their civic responsibility. Absolutely. I mean, would you agree that Christians, people of faith, people of integrity, need to get involved in leadership from the dog catcher to the city council to the board, mm-hmm. school board like your father? To mayors, to the sheriff. I mean, it makes a difference when the Absolutely. sheriff of the county, uh, all the way up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, Christians still have a part. That doesn't mean that you can't sit back and go, okay, God's in control, you know, so I don't need to do anything, right? That's just, no, that doesn't work. Uh, God has, he's created us to, um, to draw closer to him. And through that relationship, we still have a, a part that we have to play. So when, when I say I don't listen to it, I don't really pay attention. I don't close my eyes to it. I know what's going right. on, uh, but I still do my part. And yeah, it's, it is a little disturbing that uh, Christians have just bought into um, a lot of things. In the so, culture. The culture, social things of saying, eh, you know, hey, that's that's, that's, yeah, that's okay, not a big deal. Uh, uh, that yeah. is that is tough to get your hands around because it will affect us in the short term, but it's definitely going to affect our children, our children, and our the grandkids, and stuff like that. And yeah. we talked about a while ago social media and, and mm-hmm. electronics and things like that. You know, I am I'm fortunate because. Um, my daughter and her husband, they're both in education, mm. but I'm glad that they have a, they both grew up in, in strong Christian homes. And so they've given that to their kids, you know, uh, I'm watching Allie, our, our granddaughter went to church with us this morning and, you know, she, Kim bought her new Bible for uh, Christmas and that's all she wanted to do. She wanted to get that mm. Bible out and she wanted to sing. And then when she gets out, she asks you questions and, um, that comes from their parents being involved, even though they're educators, mm-hmm. they still build their the, on the faith side as well. Yeah. Right. Transferring our values mm-hmm. and the virtues and, and biblical mm-hmm. that, that it's simple. I mean, it really is simple, right? Yeah. But I think a lot of Christianity has gone the way of the culture. I call it cultural Christianity. So when it's time to stand up for what we believe or what's right, most people don't. They just fade, mm-hmm. and they get passive, or they say, you know, not confrontational. But life is confrontational. Yeah, I mean, your book shares that it's conflict after conflict after conflict, mm-hmm. and you keep pressing on. But that's how you started the interview today. You said, "My faith." That that's the anchor to your soul. That's what's enabled you to make it, continue to make it. Lose it, make it, right? Endure, have a marriage that has endured the test of time, and uh, and really have friendships mm-hmm. that endured the test of time. Well, and, you know, you, you mentioned that earlier. I've been very fortunate that um, my friendships have always been people in the ministry. My best friends have been people in the ministry, every one mm-hmm. of them. 
So, and I don't know that's by design or, or what, but... We like your money. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the checks that's coming. What, Keep the, that's what the it pattern? is. Yeah. Keep the checks right. coming. <laughs> they always met me at the bank. <laughs> Can we have lunch yeah. at the bank? Really? I, I'll tell you what it, what it is. One, I was real good friends with the pastor one time, and he made a comment. He said... With you, I can just be me. There you go. Right? You know what he said? He said, with you, I mean, something may slip out of my mouth. I would never say somewhere else. And he says, there's no judgment there. And uh, I think they're just very transparent relationships that, you know, say what you want to say. And, you know, we move on and we don't always agree. Sometimes we disagree. But um, But that's friends. Yeah, that's friends. And so those relationships have been more about giving them the, because most pastors and people in, in ministries, and you know this very much, you can't be yourself. You're always Gordon. on, yep. you, you know, and where do you find that person that you can do those things with that it doesn't go out to everyone else? Right. 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 So you got to have um, people in ministry. You're just like everybody else. You got your good days, you got your bad days, yep. probably more bad days in ministry. Unfortunately for you guys, it's a, it's a struggle in a lot of different ways. But I, th- I think that, um, having that one person that you can just talk that, with. And, well, that's a good word for both, uh, everybody listening, whether you're in ministry, whether you're in business, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a student, do you have a good friend? Do you have someone you can kick your boots off? And, you know, it's easy today to not have those relationships. Strongly. You're on the road. We're on the road. You're, mm-hmm. You guys are off doing ministry and, and mm-hmm. we're off doing work. And um, that it just, and you go, man, when I retire, I'm going to do this or do that. And so those things kind of move away. You know, it's our culture's just done that. joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way, or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.